Excellent. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Systems of Wealth podcast. I am your host, Noah Cromfly. Today, I'm joined by another very special guest, someone who I've had the opportunity to work with and collaborate with through our respective agencies, um, someone that I just am very happy to have connected with. And you're actually not too far away with me. You're uh, you're up in Long Beach. We're both in Southern California, so mm. not too far away. It is the great Sonny Sukumar. Sonny, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Noah. I appreciate you having me. and We've been having some great conversations and supporting each other with... Uh, some some cool things we've been working on together and also just sharing sharing our hearts really we've both had some losses in our life recently so it's yep. it's beautiful to connect in that way absolutely yeah i think from our i mean this will be a fun conversation because i mean we've only had one sort of longer conversation up until this point and so i think you know i've been super jazzed just to ask you like a ton of questions learn more about your background your journey and so first off i just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to be honest with me thank you for being a very compassionate human being. It's just awesome to connect and feel the energy that I get from people like this. So yeah, man, I've been super, super stoked to have this conversation with you. I'm honored to hear that, man. Thank you so much. And um, if there's anything I can do to serve you or anyone listening to this, let's do it. It's fantastic, dude. I appreciate it. So I definitely want to dive into sort of your background and journey because it was interesting. The first time we had our conversation, you were saying that your background was as or in sort of the software space. And then you pivoted to being in sort of the marketing world just because of your love for it. And I want to talk about that because I think there's a lot of value in people sort of either feeling like they're on one path and maybe they're being called to do something else. And it takes a lot of courage to make a decision like that. Um, but I, I always start these podcasts and then we'll go into the background, but I always start these with like, when people ask you what you do, like what your profession is, how do you how do you answer that? What do you say when people ask you what you do? Depends who I'm talking to. You know That's how it, my it, answer to it too is absolutely. <laughs> you know, in marketing, like the message depends very much on the audience. Well said. Yep. So it totally, it totally depends. Like What's your market. like crisp and clean way that you would just? Because mine's like I I say I'm a marketing and operations consultant. It's very just kind of generic depending on who I'm talking to. But if someone has some chops of what we're talking about, then I'll get a little bit deeper into it. But that's kind of my crisp and clean way that I always describe it. Yeah. Um, part of it for me goes back to what marketing even is. And yep. I think last time we were talking, mm -hmm. I was just encouraging you and I encourage every marketer to come across to have their own definition of marketing, like what it means personally to you. Yep. I have that on my list to ask you because I don't think we got to talk about what your definition is and I'm super curious, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So I'll just give it to you now because it it goes to the heart of your question, I think. Sweet. So for me, marketing is the science of helping people embrace change. All right. Because- Wow. I love that. And marketing- First of all, marketing and sales, these are all just different terms. Some people call it marketing. Some people call it sales. Some people call it persuasion. Some people call it all kinds of derogatory things <laughs> or, or other, other, other really glossy labels. There's all kinds of emotions and all kinds of labels for what it is that we do to, to enable someone else to buy something, right? Yeah. And so part of it's just funny to me that marketers talk about a funnel and then salespeople talk about a pipeline. This really, yeah. there's, only, there's only one thing. There's only one pipeline. There's only one funnel. There's only one, whatever you want to call it. And no matter what we're doing, we're trying to get someone to take an action. And so when I zoom out from that, I actually see 
this process as a healing process if done well if, if mm. it's orchestrated well by us these us as, as people who care about this craft right if we do it well it actually is healing for the person who's going through that process coming into our funnel etc because mm -hmm. they're coming to us in pain and what they're coming to us for is a transformation to a better feeling state everyone has a vision for their life right right and they want to help they want to step into that vision in whatever way they they can and yet almost everything they've tried really everything they've tried so far somehow hasn't worked for them or it doesn't work for them not because it doesn't work but because they're not able to embrace it they're not able to say yeah i'll spend the money or yeah i'll put in the work they're not going to do the p90x program <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to do whatever it is they're just not able to embrace that and be like yeah that's my that's my path to change that's my path to that vision. And so if we can help, if we can put something in their path, can we show them a new path that mm -hmm. they actually embrace? They're like, oh my God, that's it. Like, that's the thing that I can do to actually finally get there. That's why I define it that way. So some sometimes I give people that definition and then just get some curious about like, what? Well, how do you help them embrace change? I'm like, yeah. have this new life. Are you some kind of life coach? <laughs> kind of like, some kind of like naturopathic doctor? Like, what, what do you do? And I get to get some really interested and curious. And then I, I'm curious to have those conversations because of course. You start to see what their perception is right. of what it was required for someone to have healing or stuff for someone to feel better about their lives. Um, some people would have a cynical view of like me calling it healing because like, if you're just trying to sell someone a Ferrari or something, it's like, ah, oh, is it really mm, healing? Right. So it depends. Everything depends on your intention. Like, yes, if we come to it with the intention of serving that person, yes, then even a Ferrari could be something that is healing for them. Because for example, that could have been the same type of car that their grandfather drove. And it yep. means something very deeply to them. Right. Whereas someone else um, wants that car because they want to pick up girls. And it's like <laughs> status. Very, right? <laughs> it's status. And it's a very surface level thing. So the same car can mean something so different to that person. Wow. So sometimes I'll just be really really uh to the point say i'm a marketer and then i just because I'm, I'm curious to see what their reaction is to that mm -hmm. word yeah marketers times, get a bad rap marketers and other times i give them that deeper <laughs> definition of like hey i help people embrace change and then i want to have a conversation uh -huh. and, or sometimes because i i really love education i love seeing the transformation people have through yeah. learning so right. i i say i help people sell courses and coaching and things that can mm. help transform people's lives because uh, I've done a lot of that in the last 15 years. That's really where my specialty has been. But it, so it totally depends on the situation, the person and the kind of reaction I'm looking to get to. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, dude. I really like that definition. Yeah, we didn't get to talk about that the last time we talked. And I mean, you had posed that question to me and I had sort of, I had rattled it around in my brain a lot. And I actually, one of the most recent podcasts I did too, somebody asked me like what my, and I think you asked me this too, on our first conversation, like what was my earliest memory of money? Because we were talking about money and systems of wealth and sort of that sense. And so I've started to define those different areas of what money means to me or is to me, what marketing is. And I think as I was going through it, and I even made some notes because I didn't want to forget as I was talking about it. But so there's, to me, there's like four main areas of business and at, at least the four areas that matter the most to me, that's mark marketing, sales, operations and finance. Those are my big four areas, right? So marketing to me was like the 
sort of um, opportunity to amplify sort of a brand's, the brand message and sort of, you know, the opportunity in generating some interest. And sales was sort of stewarding and facilitating the relationship with that person and matching them up with the right opportunity. Operations being obviously, you know, systems and team and fulfilling on a client results. And then finance is sort of like the health of a business managing investments, you know, decision-making stuff like that. Yep. So yeah, that's the way that I was looking at it. Yeah. That's a great way to break it up. A lot of times, um, you know, I, I make jokes about marketing versus sales and that stuff, but it, a lot of times sales is that more, um, dialed in process down, right. down the track where you're talking to people and you're helping them steer towards a particular decision that makes sense for them. A, yes. An option to buy from you or not to buy from you. Yeah. Um, but you're helping them on a very personal level doing that. Yeah. So those are common ways the words are used. So I think it's a good way to, to break it down. And I'd say salesmen get a bad rap too, right? I mean, marketers oh, get huge. a bad rap, but sales do too. So that's <laughs> so interesting. But yeah, let's go. So let's start to, let's let's peel these layers back a bit and talk about, because I know marketing wasn't your first sort of stab at a professional life and it wasn't, you know, your the the path that you are on. So what were you, what, what was like, take me back to sort of like what was going on before you made that transition and sort of what your professional life looked like. And even like personally kind of what was going on and what, you know, pushed you to then embracing sort of the, you know, becoming a marketer. Embracing change myself, right? Embracing change <laughs> yourself. Got to start with it. it. <laughs> yeah. I was a software engineer and in high school, I discovered computer programming. I took this class and it was back then it was Turbo Pascal. Just like <laughs> Microsoft DOS, and yeah. we had these green screen, Tandy computers, like super old school. Right? Yeah, command line everything is, and like drawing on the screen was like putting a bunch of characters in a certain shape and position, like making a pumpkin out of a bunch of X characters. It's <laughs> like so freaking primitive, but like even that to me was exciting. Like I just knew, like you knew, no, like you discovered baseball, and it. It's kind of like that where you just know that mm -hmm. this is something I want to do. Mm -hmm. I might suck at it right now. <laughs> I just want to do it. Yeah. For whatever <laughs> reason. Doesn't matter how, you know, it doesn't matter if I can get to the highest level at it, but I I want to do it and I just love what it is. So yes. I discovered it. And I had a couple of nerdy friends in high school that were also in that class. Um did you go to high school? Were you here in Southern California? Did you go to high school around here? Yeah, I went to Long Beach Poly. No way. All right. Fantastic. So, I had uh, Cameron Diaz, geometry teacher, who who uh, also happened to be the computer programming teacher. Okay. And so that's where I learned. And then I just started doing the projects on the side. Because I'm just like, when I get obsessed with something, I'm just mm -hmm. really into it. And I'm yep, spending all as, as much time as I can outside of school with my own projects. And I, I ended up writing test prep software. For really? The, for okay. The Dude. And I was, I created... <laughs> um, this whole database of a couple thousand vocab words and it was for the it was for the verbal part of the sat back then wow and it would my program would generate Crazy. random multiple choice questions and all the answers were were random and it had like a ticker tape of vocabulary and it had all these different Man. features and it had reporting and, and all and i just went all out wow that time, like, all summer not that many people ended up using it bummer, <laughs> but i just i discovered my passion for really helping people yeah 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 learn and helping people you know achieve a vision that they had for themselves because right. when you're in high school like these tests for like everything you got to get mm -hmm. a good score and then you get into college and all this of stuff right? so that was the first thing and then in my senior year i wrote um, some technical analysis software for financial markets 
And I was just, that was another nerdy thing I was into. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to help people learn. Crazy. And, and then I went to, I went to college and I at first didn't declare my major, but worked really hard and got into a couple of years later and got into the computer science and electrical engineering major. Okay. Where were you going to college? At, at UCLA. UCLA. Okay. Sweet. So, and then I, I had amazing timing, right, Noah, because I graduated right into the dot-com crash. <laughs> <laughs> so, so people were making all this Perfect. money. Like my whole time, I'm working super hard. Yeah, you're like, I'm like, people are like, wait. oh, they're making all this money. Gold they're rush. getting offers. And, <laughs> yeah. and then I happened to graduate like right at a time where nobody's oh, making any money anymore. Or, it, it felt like that. It's not technically true. But there, there was, it felt like, walking to a desert when people were before they were walking into like a lush wow. garden, like it was just a lot of like a death so i worked on startups my own startups and i i promptly i failed at two different startups and learned a lot in the process and it's like late 04 coming into 05 I was like man i need to get a job somehow <laughs> what were those startups one was uh, it was like it, it was a massive vision, so it was likely we were going to fail anyways. It was going to be like the centralized, decentralized marketplace. Wow, really? Uh, of early two thousands, well, talking about decentralized marketplace, wild. Well, it was going to be a marketplace for for really fragmented industries like jewelry and like toy okay. making and other other industries that had suppliers in Asia. A lot of it was going to be in Asia. My partner was Asian himself, okay. so people like that to have an integrated supply chain because it was really hard for them to efficiently source materials and mm -hmm. to, to have representation for uh, themselves when it came to negotiating price and legal and all that stuff. So we right. wanted to really bring it all together, like all these different services under under one umbrella and offered to them. Love that. And we had, like I wrote some of the initial code and for them to be onboarded. And there was certain, there was like a vision of how to bootstrap it. But honestly, I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I mean, he knew a lot more than I did, but still, like, it was a big vision. And, and Alibaba was a, one of our biggest competitors. And right, they, of course. At the time, uh, the time they got uh, $50 million. And we didn't. And then another, <laughs> another competitor, they got $50 million. And guess what? <laughs> we, did. we, we didn't. <laughs> so, and now Alibaba is a multi billion dollar. Billions. Company and, yeah. And Madness. everyone knows it. And nobody knows what the heck we were up to. But gosh, crazy, um, dude. But it was an amazing, it was an amazing learning journey. Of and course. Then, and then we zoomed in on the jewelry business because his family was in the jewelry business. Okay. It was one of the really fragmented industries. And yep. we attempted to go like retail with that and build a whole site and everything. And that just somehow never took off the way we thought. So, Put out a lot of time, you know, it's tons of effort and time and strategy and all the stuff. And then mm -hmm. didn't like nothing came out of that. Okay. <laughs> nothing <laughs> yeah. tangible came out of that. Right. <laughs> Except for experience. We're going, oh, wow. I'm of course. The experience and that. Absolutely. Now I got to go get a job. Go and, get a job. <laughs> yeah. make, make some make some progress in life. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up working at what was then the world's number two travel community, which people haven't heard of now, but back then it was. It was a you know a big site, and I got I got to the job. I was really thankful for it. And they said, actually, you know, Sonny, you're you're not gonna be working on the site. <laughs> you're gonna be building us a custom tracking analytics platform. Oh, and I was like, a what? <laughs> <laughs> 
That's so not the job I signed up for. Because <laughs> I, I wanted to be able to tell my mom, hey, when you click that button, you know, I wrote the code that does That's the thing. Me. And then yeah. it, returns, <laughs> it returns the page, which shows you the other thing. And then right. it's really cool because then you can plan your trip or whatever, <laughs> right? whatever it would be, right? And you're like, yeah, you're not going to be doing any of that. You're going to be doing something more important or mm-hmm. equally important because yeah, right. we need to we need to make sure all of this all of this works and we can understand the numbers. And at the time, Google Analytics was a new was actually a new product. Okay. Because Google had bought a company called Urption the year before that. Okay. And then renamed it as Google Analytics and they didn't do everything mm-hmm. that they wanted. So they're like, you gotta parse through these multiple servers that we have line by line, but a hundred million, hundred million rows of data per month, something like that. And extract uh, the data into tables on a database, et cetera, and then query all of that to get us exact ins- insights we were, were looking for, and then automate that process. Right? Goodness! And it was it was tough, and I'm I'm pretty sure I almost got fired a couple times because it was really <laughs> hard. And I just, I, there was just times that I sucked and I was burning out, and it was just not a good combination. Um. So, part of it was like not feeling totally on on purpose, like in what hmm. I was doing, but although I did end up using that like analytics so much when I got into marketing later, but of course at the time what was going on in my personal lives, I had all these health issues. I had, I had really um, intense cystic acne, like all over my face and my neck oh. and my, my arms and my chest and my back. And like, and I had just intense chronic fatigue and I had severe social anxiety where even in meetings, like any given business meeting, we had a, we all sat around the table. It's not like I even had to stand up and make a presentation or anything. I just had yeah. to talk about a, a handful of things that I was, you know, give a handful of bullet updates that I was stuff I was working on. Right. Right. And in a weekly meeting. And even that, like I was, I had this terror wow. that would come up in me almost every, every week. And so I didn't, I didn't know that much about how to deal with that outside, especially outside of work. Cause I have to go to work, but of outside of that, one thing I had to also do was go to the grocery store. <laughs> and so I would, I'll go to the grocery store and getting the food wasn't the hardest part. And I did make some friends in the grocery store because I would go there a lot and a couple different, couple different stores, but there was one in particular I used to go to. And um, so I'll get the food and that, that went reasonably okay every time is because I was like systems thinker and I know where everything is. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I have my list. I have like spreadsheets on my computer and I printed yeah. it out and I checked them off. I'm like, <laughs> nerd, right? Big time nerd. <laughs> and I walk in there with my list and everything and I get the food. And then, then that would be the hard part because then I have to go, I have to go, you know, pay for the food. Right. Right. And it turns out like you there was no automation back then, like self-checkout or AI or anything like that. Right. So I had to talk to these cashiers and it turns out like they were the hardest kinds of human beings for me to talk to because they, mm. they, they were these kind of human beings called called girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was the hardest kind of girls, <laughs> young and attractive girls. Yep. <laughs> so I would, this is how dumb it was. I would rehearse what I was going to say. Man when I was coming down the aisle and be like, okay, today I'm just going to say hello. Or <laughs> today I'm just going to, Hey, you know, or say it in a different way or like, Hey, right. I like that shirt, which that turns out to be a pretty dumb thing to say yeah. when you're wearing a uniform. Like, well, yeah, I was wearing oh that shirt God. last time, last time, came here, and the time before that too. Um, <laughs> so there'd be things where I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Don't ever say that again. <laughs> Try something else. And over time, I just learned how to have more natural conversations and that was that was a big pushing myself through that was was huge yeah 
I discovered my favorite book at the time was, and it really still is my favorite book of all time, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Of course, I got it up there there's somewhere. There's so much, yeah, there's just so much wisdom about how to connect with people and how Absolutely. to gen- genuinely come to appreciate who that person is and yep. get to know that person. So hmm. as I went through that, I reflected on myself and my my journey and I started to see that I wasn't the only one who was struggling. I was struggling more than a lot of people, but yeah. Um, there were other people struggling to communicate in a way that resonated for others. And then I saw that in business, that was true also. Like when I, uh, work, I would see that, like the company had a hard time in certain ways. And then other companies had a hard time communicating in ways that resonated for, for people. Yeah. So I thought, wow, this is really, this is really a huge problem in the world. And it's such a tragedy on a personal level because any of us who have something in our heart, we want to share mm-hmm. with the world is if we want to do it for a living and make, make a living out of it if we don't know how to share it, it's such a tragedy. And that's what happens every day. So many small companies, solopreneurs, freelancers, whatever you want to call them, they go out of business. Yeah. And they can't do what they wanted to do and they have to go do a job that they hate. And it's just such a tragedy. So that was my calling into marketing. Wow. I started to, I started to realize that because uh, I like I really love to write. I, I was I like the techie nerdy stuff, like tracking the analytics. I came to like it. And you know when I I got a chance to go work at a personal growth training company and they put me in charge of like running the affiliate commissions and okay. sending out emails to the list and other things. So I started All to right. see, and I didn't even know there was a thing called copywriting at the time mm-hmm. where someone would write in someone else's voice and mm-hmm. send that email to the list. I was like learning all these things. I was like, wow, I love this. This is really cool. And I'm able to combine the psychology and the writing and the tech and all these different skills in a way that serves people like this yeah. is great. So that that's wow. how it evolved over time, but it was definitely an evolution into marketing. Dude, that's awesome. I love that. Like, and I've, I think I, I see a similarity between so many entrepreneurs or just business people is like, they started with a personal problem and that was sort of what prompted them to like, I have this problem. I need to solve it. And then having the awareness of like, man, there's so many other people that are experiencing the same sort of thing that I went through. And I want to be, you know, that's what I can then sink my teeth into. Like that's, that's what gives me, like, I want to drive that forward going back. So the going from like the job that you had at the travel agency to then being, you know, part of that other uh, agency now to like kind of be in the more, like, was there a transition period? Did you have to like, all right, I'm quitting and I'm leaving and I'm pursuing this marketing career. Like did your parents like, were they happy with that? Like, what was that experience like? Oh, parents definitely were not happy. Yeah, right. <laughs> parents in general are not happy. <laughs> and then, and then you like zoom in on Asian parents, or especially unhappy. And then out of Asian parents, like Indian parents, like oh my gosh. And then, and then out of Indian parents, Indian mom, like no, like no, you're not doing that. No, you're not doing that. That's right. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, and, and to her credit, she put me through. The college and she paid for that and just, right he's you know fantastic and yeah i'm just really scared of like what does this mean that you're going to try to go and do something else right of course and that job at the personal growth training company wasn't wasn't a marketing job it was actually me being the head of their it okay it was all right company they said we need someone to run our it and then uh, and to manage the it at all our events because they had these big you know seminars and weekend workshops and that kind of stuff so yeah that was all part of the job but as part of that i got to see and manage some of the like the techie stuff and the running running the marketing side. Yeah, of course. So it all started to come together when I saw those things. And then over time, then I went to go work in another company where the owner let me do some of them, some of those things where he, I started to show him that I, I could write. And I started to write in his voice and I started to write emails. And I was like, it was this evolution over a period of years. 
and I saw that I I got to experience the education and how much it was helping people and how yep. it was helping me because mm-hmm. I needed I I wanted to go and work there at these companies too because I wanted to experience uh, more of the training and I was already going to the workshop I was using all my uh, vacation time mm-hmm. when I was a software engineer to go to the workshops at these companies Dude, and so yeah. they got to know me and, <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> and then eventually I found I found so cool. a, a job. And it turns out that the guy who hired me to the first uh, personal growth training company, just by coincidence, was another guy who went to the same high school I did, but like oh, 20, wow. 20 years before that or something like that. Crazy. Um, not, not quite 20 years, but it was, he had gone there a number of years before me. Right. And in our conversation or interview, we, we, because he was in the same academy, the whole um, system of academies, like within the school. Mm-hmm. And we were in the same one. And so we talked about the same AP chemistry teacher that we, had, <laughs> we both had. And it was, it was weird. It was kind of one of those synchronicities. So funny. Just, I just knew that that was lining up for me. Yes. And there's so those little breadcrumbs, right? Like you right. Like make a decision. You're like, huh, this is connected in a weird way that like, I could have never. I could have never. I, yeah. I can't plot that this out. Right. Ah, it's so cool. I love and that. So I love those stories. That's why I was able to leave the pure software engineer job to go okay. run IT in that company and then okay. evolved into marketing. And then Got it. my, I have not taken an efficient path with marketing because I just struggled for lots of years doing all kinds of different projects and all kinds of exploring <laughs> all kinds of different ways. And so right. again, with startups and projects and like, yeah, and, and trying to exp- find my own like niche within it to be a freelancer and just, yes, it's not been, it's not been like one thing, but I'm, I'm the type who likes to, to know a lot about various things and then to connect hmm. the dots on absolutely any, on any given project. So it has served me, but it's been a, it's been a hard path. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that's really important for people to hear though, because I think so much of like that first step into like either a new profession or getting started with something or even starting a new business. Like I will say, you know, from, I know I'm a young budding entrepreneur still, but I would say like the first business that you try is not going to work. Like, it's just, it's not going to, like, it's just not going to work. It's going to fail. Like, I think if you have that expectation, just going into it, then that's fine. Because I mean, like the first idea that you have, like, and from what you think success is going to look like, man, there's going to be so much evolution and change and people that come into your life and ideas and opportunities that like, you could have never even like imagined from just step one. But when you get into step two and three and four, things just start to kind of, I wouldn't even say like come together or open up, but like there's just some opportunity there of like, all right, I'm going to pull that thread. I'm going to see where this goes. And inevitably, you know, I don't know if you're ever really like land and you're like, I made it, but like, it's a fun <laughs> process. You learn. I got a question for you though. So no, to answer your question, I, I, <laughs> it doesn't feel like that. It just feels like <laughs> this moment is a blessing. Every breath is a blessing. And yes, everything, well I've had, everything I've gone through has been just an amazing ride. It's been just so much intense experience. On, I love, in, I love your so perspective ma- on so it. So many different ways. Yeah. How did you, so, I mean, so much of your, like s- the skills that you had built, you know, were so much in sort of the, you know, technology software kind of space and then pivoting into marketing. Like were there books or courses or workshops or some of the stuff that you remember, like, you know, even like some of the, I wouldn't even say like marketing gurus, but like some of the people that like you sort of latched onto of like, all right, this is, helping me build my way towards finding sort of my, my niche and my own skill of like learning copyright and stuff like that. Like, do you remember what that process was like for building up your, you know, your marketing skill set? 
Yeah. Oh, there's so many people along the way. Of course. Some of them, some of them are people that I didn't have directly relationships with, but like, mm -hmm. for example, Gary Bensavenga is a famous copywriter and yes. I came across his stuff many years ago. Right. And I really just genuinely appreciated that he, he took a very honest approach, mm -hmm. very proof driven approach, very conversational approach, not hypey. Right. And he would put in all the hours required to produce mm. any kind of, any kind of advertising he did or a sales letter he wrote, anything he worked on, he, he wanted to feel like a friend talking to a friend. Yeah. Genuinely informing that friend of what might be something that they would want to consider. Nice. And one of his core principles was that the advertisement itself and whatever you're working on, whatever form it takes, that it should, it should be something that is so valuable to the person in itself that they want to save it. They want to cut it out. They want to keep it and save it because they find it wow. so valuable on, on its own. Yeah. And that that's a very high standard. And I was talking to someone, um, one of our one of my coworkers just yesterday about that same thing because he he, he shares that too. And that's something that many marketers along the way have forgotten. And that at times it is hard to it's hard to always come up with something where it feels like that. But if you if you do have that standard in mind, then you can reflect on it and find better and better ways to, to add value to people. And I mean, there's just been so many people like Terry Dean was, has been a mentor of mine, for example, for 10 years. And um, he just recently closed his uh, monthly, he called his monthly mentor club, but that's something that uh, I had access to him in a, in a forum and uh, he gave me a lot of pointers along the way. Like mm -hmm. I can't tell you the number of stupid things I've <laughs> market where people be like, mm. <laughs> what are you doing right there? <laughs> well it's a new experiment and uh yeah <laughs> there's been there's been so many but there's, there's a couple of names that's great um, i like that i um, think like for yeah the same people and right absolutely and then they've studied a, a bunch of the the classics yes. and i've i've gone back in, uh, through the decades and looked at some of the the famous um, sales letters, like whether it's like the Wall Street Journal, the story of two young men, or I'm not familiar with that. I highly recommend you look at that sales. You letter. told me about the the, the VSL, one. the End of America, right? The End of America. That's a classic one. I listened to that one on on a walk after we had our Did call you? that day. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a classic one for 2012. Oh my that's a very controversial one because people consider it fear mongering, etc. And then there's a lot right. of customers that were unhappy after that and mm -hmm. so you got to be careful with with copy that's like emotionally tr triggered that triggering yeah of course much. right um but there's examples of copy that isn't that much triggering but is still um still evokes emotion another famous one i think was cables john cables who wrote the famous headline they laughed at me when i sat down uh, at the piano but when i started to play and it's like dot 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 paraphrasing <laughs> that headline yeah because people can relate to that emotion of wanting to wanting to impress others wanting mm -hmm. to show that they're capable of doing something that their peers didn't think they're capable of right so there's just a few words in the headline but it's so powerful just unto itself because i, I heard that they had struggled to sell i think it was a correspondence course or something because at the time they didn't have like online courses or anything like that no internet back then <laughs> and, and the previous 
uh, copy for that was just talking about a piano course, just like mm. very to the point. I don't remember exactly what it was, but that promotion, that campaign just blew it out of the water because it yeah. was tapping into that emotion that people had. We're like, yeah, for why they might want to take up piano. They they wanted to show their peers that they were capable of doing something that was was genuinely impressive. Again, it's a yeah. status like we talked about, right? Right. Wow. Some of those come to mind. Did I answer your question? You did. I always like, I mean, I, I always find it interesting that sort of um, process of like discovering certain people to learn from, because I think like I got really lucky with um, lucky, but I also put in a lot of work with it, uh, with finding sort of, you know, my first sort of mentor, who was my very first client, who I still work with now, Scott, Scott Shang, who was one of my first podcast episodes he plugged me into the Perry Marshall world, right? So Perry is like my big, he's like, you know, I was thinking about this because I'm hosting a, a program with him right now called Zero to 100K. It's like basically like getting started into sort of stepping into entrepreneurship or, you know, what's the best business for me to start right now? And Perry's whole idea behind answering that question is like, there is no one right answer to that. There's the business that makes the most sense for you and who you are uniquely in your unique talents and capabilities and skill set. And so- it's fun for me because I get to be a host with him on that program. But like so much of my foundation is from Perry. And I was thinking about this yesterday. He's kind of like in the, so I'm a big stand-up comedy fan, right? Like I consume a lot of stand-up comedy. And so in that world, obviously Joe Rogan has a massive platform with his podcast, right? And he's provided opportunities to so many of his friends who are comics like Tom Segura and Burt Kreischer and Ari and some of the other guys. And so I've seen Perry do that with his platform. Like he has yes. you know, pr provided so much opportunity to people that are now like clients of mine, but guys that like, aren't, you know, sort of like the well-known entrepreneurs like a Bezos or an Elon Musk or, you know, Bill Gates or like these numbers get thrown around and people are like, those are like my, my mentors or my idols as entrepreneurs, Elon Musk. And it's like, it's just, he is the richest guy in the world. He's our unicorn. Like that's not, there's nothing really that he could probably tell me right now that would have a big impact on like where I am in my life. Maybe there are some things, but like being able to like go to an entrepreneur or a person who is just either one living the life that I want to live or has the skill set that I want to learn. And then being able to just sort of just extrapolate the information that they have and being able to apply it to my life. But it's cool for me because I've watched Perry you know, provide opportunity to Bob Rignaris who wrote the ultimate guide to Facebook advertising. And then I, he became a client and I got to build a funnel for it. And it's cool for me right now. Cause he kind of just like plucked me and he's like, all right, like I'm a young up and coming comic. And he's like, giving me an opportunity. I'm just, it's cool for me to reflect and kind of sit back on it because again, I think I feel very fortunate that so much of my foundation of being an entrepreneur was built from him and his, his principles and not sort of the, you know, I didn't have to get a decade into my career and be like, oh my gosh, like so much of my, what I believe to be true about business and entrepreneurship and marketing and all of this stuff in general. Now I don't got to unlearn all that stuff. Like I can build from a very seen reality almost for what it is. And I'm just so, I'm so, so thankful for it. That's wonderful. Yeah. People like that are, are angels in our lives and Terry has given that type of platform to so many people. So we yeah, definitely shout out to, uh, a hug from afar. To, to Perry. <laughs> I mean, that's how we the, got, that's how we got brought together. Perry Marshall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, cause Perry, I mean, so yeah, let's talk about the, what you're doing now, the, the, the agency that you work with now and sort of, I want to know like your day to day with that and what your opportunity looks like, but yeah, just a, again, quick shout out. So uh, Alex McCarsky who runs Clickmakers, who's the agency that Sonny gets to work with. Um, yeah. was basically, we got connected with Alex because 
I was part of Roundtable, and so was you know, and so was Rob, and so we got we all got to come together, and now it's what brought us in this relationship together. So like, it's just so true. He's like really he's putting so many with his platform at that level. Like you have so much leverage and power and value. It's the like, name Planet Perry. <laughs> Planet right? Perry, it's, it's indeed. Kind of like its own world. <laughs> so it's it really is, and people that get attracted to Planet Perry are unique, interesting entrepreneurs. And like the some gravitational of the force of of Planet Perry, undeniable, <laughs> undeniable. Yeah. So yeah, let me. So give me like your What's your, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's no like normal regular day in, in business and <laughs> you know, like in our, in our you know, industry. just stamping widgets, man. That's, that's really it. You know? <laughs> but yeah, talk me like, how, <laughs> where did you go from? Let's, let's do that a little bit. Let's, let's continue to, I want to backtrack a little bit. So you're the training program running IT. I still want to, I, I want to know like what, how you found yourself in this position now. So walk me through that a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I I was fortunate that I I got into an industry that I came to to love, which yeah. in general was education. I've done so many different versions of education over time, um, and I even took a break and went into tutoring because I just loved to teach. Really, and was I it the to, SAT wanted, like type of thing too? Yeah, it was. I was it was prep. all right. And nice. I, did you just kill your SAT then? Like, did you just crush your score? Not really, because I, I had really, <laughs> I had really intense anxiety, and I had oh shoot, I actually uh, on the SAT I misnumbered an entire section. No way. And I sat and I realized Dude. it like oh I no, I don't remember what like fifteen or twenty minutes into the sec, which every section is only like twenty five, right. whatever it is, thirty minutes. So I was freaking out. I'm sure that was good for your anxiety. <laughs> My God, was so horrible, man. And I, it's not like I'm erasing all these. And I'm trying to, yeah, I'm like, right. this is horrible. <laughs> it's one of those things like you have to, you have to, like you remember it obviously as I'm sharing it now, but it's, it's also a priceless thing because it's such an, such a great experience to reflect on and then to practice being centered. Yeah. And right. Do a great job wow. of being centered in that moment, but I, yeah, I tried, <laughs> did, my, did my best. So, yeah, right. uh, so I kind of wanted to to help other other kids to not suffer as much as, as much. As <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and speaking of that experience, the first thing I would I would talk to them about when I got to their house was the first time I was going to meet with them, and hardly anyone was excited. Mm -hmm. like, it was mostly their parents that signed them up for this. <laughs> right. They all they all had other things to do. They had baseball. They had other things. They're like, I want to go and practice baseball. Yeah. I want to go and practice this other thing or my instrument or. I have all this homework to do. Like, why are you here? No, right. <laughs> they didn't actually explicitly say that because they had some some manners, but you can feel kids, it. A lot of kids didn't. Yeah, a lot of kids yeah. didn't really want to be doing it. Right. But the, especially because I would start. <laughs> I thought this was important. I was like, I, I don't want to get into this right away. Like all the material, we're going to get into that pretty soon, right? But my first question for you is, what is an expert? Wow. I would just, I would just wait for them to answer that. Do you want to try answering that? You don't have to. What is an expert? It's interesting, right? Because so much of like when I was coming up in the marketing world was like, if you're you're an expert, if you just know a little bit more than your client, essentially, and that makes you an expert. And I think that word gets thrown around and misused a lot. <clears throat> it's interesting too, because Scott Shang, again, who runs Find My Way Home, who I do a lot of consulting for, we talk about helping consumers that are looking to buy or purchase, you know, get a home, you know, they're going through the mortgage process, like talk to a mortgage expert. And those are like, you know, we call them guideline geeks. Like they just, they know <laughs> all of the guidelines. They like, you know, they, 
so many people that are applying for a mortgage end up in a call center with someone who's not very educated and doesn't really know how to push a file through unless it's like blue kind of status check mark. Like, you know, you got credit score, you got income. And if it has any hair to the file, like, you know, you kind of get lost in the process. That's really interesting. I don't even know how to answer that really off the top of my head. Yeah. All good. I mean, I'm putting you on the spot. So I appreciate yeah. you just even attempting that. And I put them on the spot too. And they would say things like, well, an expert is someone that knows a lot about something. I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's true. The expert is someone who gets paid a lot. It's probably something we were, yeah. they're aspiring to. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, yeah, or an expert is someone that is, is respected. I'm like, okay, that's true as well yeah. in, in general. Right. Not always, but <laughs> um, in general. And I said, well, what I'm really thinking about and how I would describe it to you as an expert is someone who has really strong pattern recognition in a particular area. Uh -huh. So I said, really the only difference between me and you is that hmm. on these questions that we're going to you know, review together and talk about how to answer these questions on this test that I have, I can recognize patterns in these questions. Like I know how they're trying to trick you. Wow. And I'm going to show you how they're trying to trick you so that you'll have that pattern recognition too. And you'll be, therefore you'll become an expert at it. Dude, that's great. I feel like I just read this somewhere. Like I just read like something about someone at a really high level is a great pattern recognition. Maybe it's, was it this book? I'm reading Atlas Shrugged right now, Ayn Rand. And I yeah. think it might've been in this. I don't know where it's from. I know that's like super top of mind right now. I just read something like that. There's a lot Sorry, of talk about it now really because of AI. Um, but in years past, like it wasn't really talked about that much, especially like with, you know, the advent of chat GPT, et cetera. Yeah. What, a what are those AIs doing? They're, they're learning, they're learning, they're consuming data, they're consuming information, they're, they're developing um, associations between different types of information so that they can recognize patterns and then, wow. and then actually have some advanced ability to, to like recognize the pattern of what you're asking for and mm -hmm. then to create their own pattern of a response that makes sense to a human being. Mm. And they've just gotten so good at that, that it's like, oh my God, I'm, it feels like I'm actually even talking to a person in some cases. Right. Uh, that used to be called what's, that, uh, what's called the Turing test. My elementary uh, yep. computer scientists were, yep. if you couldn't distinguish that you're talking to a computer, then that would have passed the Turing test. I don't mm -hmm. know if ChatGPT is quite on that level yet. But it's certainly getting there. Mm -hmm. So this talk about pattern recognition is more prevalent than ever. But basically, I would define an expert like that if you have pattern recognition. Like wow. if you and I went out to play baseball. First of all, uh, you would be you'd have a hard time getting off getting off the uh, your your knees because you'd be like laughing so hard. <laughs> because I can barely hit the dang ball. And then there's there's this time in high school where we were playing baseball in in PE, and I was. I was again terrified. I was like, I do not. I was praying, like, please God, do not let anybody hit the mm. ball. Ball always finds in you. This direction. Yep. Or like Baseball in this gods part now. of the field. <laughs> yep. Because this hit it slightly that way or hit it slightly <laughs> that way. Because I just had no confidence that I could catch a ball, you know? Yep. And uh, of course, guess what happened? Of course. Somebody hits this Blind. long eyeball <laughs> yeah. oh, no. coming. <laughs> great to me and i'm like oh my god and it's a sunshiny day and i'm like all right i'm gonna make uh -huh. the best attempt at this and i'm yeah. like oh, this is all i remember and then uh -oh. after that i remember being on the ground no dude waking up and there was like four people standing around me going are you okay uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> my god. so apparently the ball <laughs> came down and hit me in the head and knocked me out <laughs> so 
too just, funny, dude. Some of my memories from high school. So yeah. suffice it to say that I did not have good pattern recognition, <laughs> baseball or softball. That's too but, funny, dude. Whereas you, you'd be like crushing it. You'd be like, oh my God, this is awesome. I get to play baseball. I get, uh-huh. to, I get to pitch. I get to catch. And I get too to funny. hit the ball. And it, like, you'd be having fun, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but, but the, you could probably teach me a lot. Like if I went out on the field with you, you'd be like, oh, yeah, actually your batting stance is off. You're, you're almost always going to strike out if you're swinging that yeah. way. I don't know these things, whereas you do, and it'd be great to learn from you. Wow. So that's all I was, tr- uh, I wanted all the kids and I want anybody I interact with to, to feel that way. Like, hey, mm-hmm. I know all this analytics stuff, mm-hmm. or I know this, this and this with copy and like how to put these things together, how to put wow. together funnel structure and what tends to work for this kind of offer and all these things. But the, all of that is just pattern recognition. Yeah. So like you're asking me, like, what do I do at Alex's agency? A lot of it is that where I'm just like taking all the experience I've had and looking at it, every, every funnel, every offer for every different type of client. We have clients across all these different um, industries, whether it's right. e-com or SaaS or info products and all kinds of stuff. And even hybrids of those industries and looking at and seeing what's likely to work. How do we craft this? And if we are going to test a certain type of traffic or a certain type of ads, a certain type of landing page, and this kind of funnel and this whatever, right? Well, how do we test? Like, how do we actually run a test plan that's going to make sense? It's not going to be too high risk. And it's mm. we're going to know exactly what we're testing, how much we're spending, what is success, what is not success. When do we cut it off early? Because it doesn't look like it's going to get to success. Jeez. There's just so much that goes into that. Right. So being a like a type of personality that just likes to connect lots of dots, mm-hmm. that's been a it's been a cool thing for me. It's still challenging, and that's but that's one of the things that makes it interesting is because if if it's not challenging, then it's, then you not do feel like doing. you're stamping widgets. And it's, definitely <laughs> not, it's definitely not stamping widgets. Right? That's really interesting. Yeah, I feel like so many people's like perception of what marketing is. Like what you just described is like, I mean, we get to be mad scientists. We get to like experiment, oh, yeah, totally. test. It's so cool. Yeah. And experience comes from experiments. And wow. then the pattern recognition comes from the experience. So having that experiments mindset is is so huge for just life in general. Like how many wow, experiments, man. how many experiments have you run to get the experience and then have the pattern recognition. Yeah. So that you can you can help other people with anything that they're uh, they're wanting help with. And the more you help right. other people, the more it reinforces those patterns in your own mind. And you're like, okay, I know I can explain something to them. Right. That's why teaching is is such a powerful thing. Jeez. Wow. That's great. What are you, what are like outside of the agency work? Do you do any sort of, I mean, like I just, I know helping and teaching is such a passion of yours. Like what does that look like outside of what you're doing with, with ClickMakers? Yeah, I do some uh, mentoring at the same time. I also do, I've gotten really into trading. And really? I, uh, okay. I still, I still suck at it. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> talk about pattern recognition. It's such a, I probably won't get knocked out and wind up on the field with people standing over me, <laughs> thankfully. But but the but you get knocked out in other ways. Like you lose money really fast if you <laughs> if like if you're not good enough at the pattern recognition, or if you're not fast enough at the execution. Right. When you do see the pattern. Yeah. Um. So I'm still trading on a simulator and, and just okay. build, building that up. Okay. Uh, there's so what's, much. What's the timeline? It. Like how long have you been doing that? Um. So I I got into financial markets first when I was in high school. Like right. decades ago now. But yep. I, I put it on hold. And then a few years later, I picked it up again to some degree. And I, I just wasn't successful. And I was trading options and doing some mm-hmm. things. And I didn't really know that much. But like every couple of years, I would dabble and be like, is this, I was kind of like testing myself. Is this the right time in my life to yeah. 
to get into it and it just never quite was it was always mm -hmm. something else that was more important mm -hmm. and then last year in like it was about may ish i wanted i just felt like it's time for me to like go into it much come back to it because i had been away for a long time and then go into it in a much deeper level mm -hmm. and then actually even start practicing day trading because i had never practiced okay. that kind of intraday trading before yeah and so when you do that you're then looking for an approach that fits your personality because there's so many different approaches to trading out there you want to find something that fits how you naturally think and think and operate mm -hmm. um, there's things that are you know like scalping for example is really fast in and out whereas there's even swing trading within the day where you're going to stay in a position for um longer than you would in a scalp you might be in it for 20 minutes you might be in it for an hour you might be in it for a couple hours there's right. all these different variations and there's people that are pure price action traders and people are using indicators there's people using some, uh, some automation people not using any automation there's yeah, so many things sheesh, that you right. can, you, and then you have to decide between stocks and forex and futures and options and, and crypto <laughs> and like so all the different instruments you can potentially trade wow. so many different decisions to make right and what's it's beautiful in that you have so much variety but then yeah the curtain the curse of that is like the, the paradox of choice where you have all this variety and it's like you're trying to figure out like what is it i want to do and then within all of that like which techniques etc specifically you're going to apply and then formulate a trading plan that says exactly what am i getting in what am i getting out what how much can i lose like all the different risk parameters and, and entry and exit parameters that you and there's a lot of things you need to define right. in a trading plan. So it's just been this whole process. And so I'm still on trading on SIM and not profitable yet, <laughs> but uh, I've learned so much about myself and, and what might work for me. And the thing that's really cool about trading is that yeah. aside from this pursuit of potential profits, which everyone wants to make money at some point, but it's this amazing path of self-mastery because you're having to exercise so much discipline yep. in in the process, and if you're not disciplined, the market is gonna it's gonna take take you out pretty dang fast. Right. So it's this amazing feedback loop because mm. you can get into a trade long, meaning you're you're expecting something to go up, and then you get this big red bar down like two seconds later. It's like, yeah, it doesn't matter how much journaling you've done, how much meditation you've done, <laughs> how many personal growth workshops you've been to. <laughs> Um, how, how much healing work you've done, how much mm. hours of therapy you've done. Right. All of that is helpful. Like, all of that does factor in as helpful. But like when you have that freak out moment and that that big red bar appears on the screen and is dropping hard and fast, what are you going to do? Because mm. like if you actually went into the trade prepared, then you have a stop loss like in mind, but or actually placed, but are you going to honor that? Mm-hmm. Are you going to keep your commitment to lose, like to actually take that loss? Like, <laughs> right. the, the discipline is is a huge thing. It's just like wow. you, go to the, you go to the gym, like, yeah, man, it's raining today. I'm cold. I'm tired. Mm -hmm. Been working late hours lately. Am I going right. to go? <clears throat> and I got this, this leg day. <laughs> <laughs> That's the conversation I've been having in my head. Today's leg day for me. And I'm like, I, uh, I gotta, I'm going to go. And it's okay if you say, actually, you know what, tomorrow. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna move leg day to tomorrow. And that's right. actually okay as long as you are, you're not like cheating yourself. Like, yeah, you if you're being strategic and saying you know it actually might be harmful to my health to do leg day right. today. Yeah, because I'm just not up for it. But right. tomorrow I get better rest, my heart rate variability is better. Whatever I'm gonna do it tomorrow. Right, that's okay, and it's, mm -hmm. you got to make those decisions in trading as well. Uh, so the path of self mastery is is so key because it's. Wow. it's 
it's an amazing intense game mm-hmm. even if you're automating if you're writing code and you're and you're placing placing that like algo into the market and yeah you're watching what it's doing you're mm-hmm. gonna freak out when it does something where you're like you're losing money <laughs> right of course so, absolutely so either way it's uh it, it functions on so many levels to help uh, help me grow as a as a person and then yeah also to poten- potentially get to the point where it's another income source mm-hmm. and also just the game of it and knowing so many other people who are on that same path of wanting to improve themselves and get and master themselves and at right. the same time um conquer this incredible challenge because you're competing against so much so many of the world's best people like we do as marketers mm-hmm. in the financial markets you're 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 competing against the world's best interesting the wall, the wall street traders the institutional guys yeah decades of experience and it's this, right uh it is this fairly even playing field it's not mm-hmm. completely even because people have advantages with servers right next to the new york stock exchange All this, there are certain advantages that they have they have yeah. millions of dollars etc but it's never been a more even playing field for those of us who have no experience to come in and actually try mm-hmm. to win a game that's that's played by the most advanced people in the world. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I've been thinking about that recently too because like it's it trips me out that like the game of business that I play is the same as like a Perry Marshall or these guys that are playing at a really high level. Like technically it's the same, but they're operating at, you know, a much higher leverage point than I am, you know, because of their, you know, because of their resources and there's so many things, but like, let me pose that question to you. Like, what do you think it is that, do you think that those traders that are operating at that level, why are they at that level? Is it because they have more mastery over themselves and they have more discipline? Is it the experience? Is it a combination of things? Like what's your thought on, you know, what separates someone like, you know, that's playing at maybe an amateur level that ends up getting to a professional and beyond kind of all-star, like what are those components and factors of that? I think it's from what I've seen, it's like almost anything else, whether it's playing an instrument or playing a sport, they usually have a coach. They usually interesting. Have, yeah, they, they usually have someone wow. out. I love that answer. All sorts of different ways that they can get better. Yeah. Analyzing their numbers because um so they're usually journaling, mm-hmm. even if even if that's like syncing their trades to a platform, but oftentimes it's like actually making notes about about each trade and why they did it what were they thinking what mm-hmm. was their risk level why did they get in and why Jeez. did they get out like all these things like really deeply reflecting yeah and then iterating on that every day and then staying with it for the long term going like no matter what it takes i'm going to do this because a yeah. lot of there's a lot of stories of traders you can go on youtube and find these stories of really successful traders this one guy he said he lost money for six years straight whoa and he was just desperate. Like people get to the point Whoa. where they're just desperate and everyone in their life is questioning their freaking sanity. Of course. Because they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> First of all, like marketing, it's not a very respected profession. Yeah. Right. They think, so you're trying to be a professional gambler. Uh-huh, I mean, there yes. actually is value to, to what that craft is. You're adding you're adding liquidity to markets and mm-hmm. you're helping other people to trade because you're taking their side, of the, the other side of the trade that they're trying to do, et cetera. But there and that's aside from all the self-mastery stuff that we talked about that most people don't think about mm-hmm. but 
they stuck with it. They said, no matter what it takes, I'm going to continue experimenting with different approaches until wow. I find something that suits my personality. Mm-hmm. When I find that, and that's a combination of technique as well as the market that you're going to be trading and, and really narrowing in on that. Some people do nothing but trade like S&P 500 futures and that's right. the only market they trade. Jeez. Some people are like, they trade the S&P, they trade the Russell and they trade um, the Dow Jones futures. Like they'll trade three different things and that's all they trade. Some people only the 30 year T-bond, that's all they trade. Mm-hmm. And they trade it only with a specific technique and only by looking at the, the uh, what they call the depth of market in the order book. And only when a certain thing happens in the order book, then I then I scalp that. And it's like, <laughs> a three, it's like a three second in and out trade because the computers will take take the rest of the, the volume that they're trying to get and they have to be in it in those three seconds. Otherwise they make no money. Crazy. But like, that's the thing that makes them in love with it. That's yeah. what they love to do. And that, right. they get so good at that, that they make a living on that. Wow. they like have cornered their little pocket of like that market yeah, over that exactly. world. Exactly. And, and like, so the, you can this. talk to a hundred different traders Sheesh. and you will get a hundred different answers about exactly what they're doing. Dude. Wow. Because it has to suit them and then they have to practice it and practice it and practice it. I love it. it. Yes. And I mean, statistically, you have to have an edge. So the math has to bear that out. Right. But you also have to get so good at executing on that edge that Mm -hmm. you actually are able to take advantage of that edge and to capitalize on that. Yeah. And that's where so much of the iteration to practice and then the self-reflection and then even deeper self-reflection with the help of a coach. Right. All of that comes together. So Jeez. they train and I have this mindset and a lot of those top traders have the mindset that, that uh, professional traders are like fresh professional athletes. They train mm-hmm. like a professional athlete, including mm-hmm. even off the, off the screen, like you might say on a professional, like off the field or off the court, but mm-hmm. off the screen, mm-hmm. they go and do all kinds of things for their health. So yes. one of the most interesting questions you can ask a trader is like, what is your routine, uh, your daily routine? Because you want to know like exactly what they're doing with their sleep. Like I know you've got the aura ring, like a lot of them are wearing these um, course. biofeedback devices. Yep. They are, they have health coaches, they have mm-hmm. nutritional programs in place. That's so interesting. They have very specific uh, meditation is very, very common yep. among traders, like 20, 10, 20, 30 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Some are doing it morning, some are doing it at night as well. Um, very specific amounts of time with family and friends, not staying up past certain hour. They have all kinds of guidelines in place in their life. They're guideline gates wow. <laughs> <laughs> to, to have that structure. That's what, uh, Darren, I think it was Darren McCroy, the world uh, world champion of public speaking year 2000 and Toastmasters. I think it was his mentor that, that said this. I don't remember exactly who it was, but he's the one I heard it from. Hmm. Um, and he was talking about writing a speech. He was saying good structure doesn't freeze you good structure frees you ah yeah so that's how it is for the traders too like they have all this structure in their lives so that it frees them to find their flow when they're when when they need to be the most on point among the most intense situations in the markets the markets are moving so fast and the markets don't wait for anybody right the markets are moving so fast to find that and capitalize on that in the moment man that's when all of that other preparation and that structure, yeah, that's when they capitalize on it. And, and these are the people Jeez. that are making some of them are making seven figures a year, of course. So, um, definitely not at that level yet. <laughs> <laughs> then there's I, there's two things there that I really liked. It was like one of like <clears throat> one, like 
being, you know, finding an edge and being able to capitalize on that edge. And like, it goes back to, I mean, it's what, you know, Perry's take on the zero to hundred K, but it's what you said too, about like developing a trading philosophy is like, it needs to make sense to you. Like it needs to fit you. Exactly. And I love that. Cause it's like, there is no one perfect trading strategy. It's like, there's one that you need to find right. for you. And like, it's the same thing with a business. It's like, there is no good or great business. There's a good and great business out there for you and finding you. your edge and capitalizing on that yeah. is the key. And it's like, it's so much more of like a, like a interpersonal sort of experience. Like, I think that's where I found some, I wouldn't even like maybe harmony in like my business was where I stopped looking externally for the answers of like looking at an ad online of like a guy selling me like a automated cash flow system instead of like thinking about that. And I was like, well, I have some like innate, unique capabilities and talents and skills. Like, I think it's a little bit more of like an internal kind of soul searching process almost than that. And like, I found as I personally developed and grew in that sense and like professionally, I started to figure some things out. So I really yeah. love that. And the other thing that you said too, about like, I have had this thought being an athlete that like I approach business and this is me playing my game right now. Like I think about this as like approaching as an athlete. It's like when I'm on and I'm working, this is my, this is my arena. This is my field. This is my time. And when I'm not doing this, I am resting or learning or earning or trading like all those types of things. Like, you know, the sleep that I get and the food that I eat and the time that I spend with, you know, recreation time with family and friends and like the sensory deprivation and float therapy and the sauna and the journaling and the meditating, like all of that plays into me then getting to like perform at my highest level, my best level, like having a plant right here makes me feel good. And like, that's part yes. of just like creating a good environment. Like totally like it's so interesting because so much of, again, I don't like to make generalizations with it, but I'm going to do it a little bit of like, I think so many people are searching for like that work-life balance, right? Like who I am at work. And then I'm like, you know, looking for a balance. And I just, this is something that I learned from Ty Lopez is like a, uh, an integrated life where like the different components of sort of the, like the different system or like little pieces form this kind of bigger whole and how I am operating to my family, my friends, to my clients, to my, you know, friends, to what I do when I'm sleeping and eating, it all has an impact on itself and ultimately getting me closer to my, my, you know, ideal life or whatever that is going to be. But I think like it's, it, there is no, like, I have no separation with all that stuff. Like how I train and how I eat and how I lift and all of that has an impact in me getting to do the things that like ultimately bring me more energy. And because I'm happy and at peace with a lot of those things, then I can go and like focus on just giving more of that to the other people around me. And it's like you said, it's just, as, it's like the pattern recognition of like, when I give a lot of that good energy, I get it back to me. And then it feeds me when I get to go, you know, travel or explore or do some of that stuff. So those are really big like key things that I think, you know, that you touched on that I just, yeah, I really want to cement it home because I think that's a really big part of my life, like that I've continued to just to cultivate and focus on. Yes. And it's even more magical when every one of those things are not just like means to an end, like yeah. to get back to the screen or to get back on the field. It's like right. if the meditation itself becomes so joyful in every moment mm -hmm. or if the sauna becomes <laughs> so joyful in every moment the lifting becomes so joyful in every moment mm -hmm. the time with the therapist becomes so joyful in every moment. <laughs> yeah, right the the running whatever you're doing yeah the showering right yes nutritional program like if every one of those things becomes so joyful mm -hmm. in every moment then, that just then there's true the goal. joy then there's true joy in the journey yes and then you will perform even more even better because yes you, you just have that much joy in the whole process like right 
Kobe was one of my ideals, even though he was not a very nice person to a lot of people. <laughs> and I didn't like that part of him because I'm not like that. But, and I think he got that from Michael Jordan. He got, lot, he got a lot of things from Michael Jordan. Certainly. But I, I idolized his work <laughs> ethic. Of course. How he was just constantly improving. And I, yeah, I'd like to work. I love working every day. Right. But I know not everyone does. Everyone yeah. has their own, their own um, cadence, their own flow. Right. Right. But, and I don't have the engine in me that he, that he yeah, like 20 <laughs> hours a day and he's just three hours of sleep, you know, go score 60 people, 60 points in a game. You know, I, I, I wasn't born, born with that, but, but with whatever I, I am born with and the work ethic I have, I, to your point about having it be integrated in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The balance is different for every person. And, yeah to find what works for you, where you feel happy about your day. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. And you, that's like it. you're someone, you're someone who invests the time to actually go on the journey and find what works for you and find your strengths and find ways to serve others in, in a way that you enjoy doing. Yeah. And the people who are sitting on the surface and skimming the surface and saying, I just want that automated push button system to mm-hmm. generate affiliate or whatever <laughs> they don't get that joy in the journey man. yeah Hopefully they'll find some joy elsewhere but my my experience has been that most people who think that way don't really find much joy in life yeah they're constantly just searching for some easy way out of things instead right. of finding finding joy in the work yep yep that's uh something that i learned from <clears throat> i mean i think it like it became cemented from alex Ramosi last year i was consuming a lot of his content and he basically was just saying like, work is the goal. Like, that's it. You know, letting go of like this, I'm doing this because of this, you know, whatever abstract outcome. It's like, that's not, you know, me lifting is just because like, I like it. Mm. I want to lift. Like, I think the best illustration of it is um, the book, The Slide Edge by Jeff Olson. Like that whole idea behind that book is just getting 1% better every single day. Like that's the mastery. I've been it's, hearing about that book. I, Sonny, I think that that's one that you got to add to your list because okay, it, it's on my list. I love it because it like it that might already be on my list. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm I'm definitely going to put it on my list if it's not. It's like it's one of those books. Like I I I I love those kind of um, principle foundational concepts because it applies to getting better in your health. You know, just one percent, like doing you know a thirty minute workout three four days a week and just focusing on that or you know, 1%, like, you know, that's compound interest in money. It's getting 1% better with like reading and, you know, reading 10 pages of book, you know, every day or like 10 minutes with your spouse or your relationship every single day, like sitting down and spending another 10 minutes of just being present and focusing on that. Like that 1% of letting go of like, I'm, I think it's important to design or to be thinking with the, you know, an end goal or sort of vision in mind. But then that the whole idea of that is to come back to like, okay, I have reverse engineered it to where I am now. And this is the path that I'm on to get there. And then just relinquish the expectation of really of reaching that goal and just focus on, all right, I'm just going to get better every single day. Cause then it just comes down to quality reps and consistency and being resilient and not really relying on like your, you know, momentum or like, a, you know, happiness around it. Cause it's going to suck. Like there are going to be days where you don't want to go to the gym, but if you're just like, all right, I just thought 1%, like that's it. I'm just and that compounds in so many different aspects and areas of your life. And you're right. And you're hundred percent right. Like when you're just focused on, this outcome, there's another book that I've been hearing a lot about, like called The Gap Gap to Gain or something like that. That one's been on my list for a little while. And the whole idea behind that book is like, you're here and you want to get there. And this 
space in between that is causing a lot of friction and like, you know, unhappiness essentially. Cause you're just like, I am, I am only seeing that area of like where I'm not at yet instead of being like, well, I was, you know, I used to only be able to do five pull-ups and now I can do six and seven and eight and nine. You know, I'm just adding one more every week. Like that's the idea behind it. It's just like, I'm trying to just get better 1% every single day. And I think I have found a lot of, you know, solace in that. Cause like I can, at the end of the day, I can be like, all right, like I did what I needed to do. I read, you know, I meditated, I did my thing. I checked on my family like, you know, I'm just getting a little bit better every single day. And I'm only really at that point competing against yourself. Yeah. And sock is the root word of success. Amen. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think it really is, but that's how I remind myself. And I, I've been knocked out by a, a softball or baseball, whatever it was. <laughs> I could probably, I can probably improve from there. <laughs> I got a, I got, I got two questions for you. And I, I already know I need to have you back on because there's so much more that I want to, I mean, anybody that's listening or getting to watch this, like you can just tell like your charm and just like how, like you're, you're such a fun guy to talk to. Seriously, man. Like I'm, I'm so appreciative of it. One is what are you reading right now? What are you reading right now? What am I reading right now? Well, I've got, I got the Kindle for one thing, but okay. a bunch of things on there, but this is a book. My, my friend and my current coach who's helping I me learn, learn chaos. building in public. His name is Kevin Chung. And he wrote a book called find joy and chaos. And All right. this is specifically about how to build an audience, like a really engaged and passionate audience on Twitter. Okay. Um, it's got a really philosophical title, which is interesting, but yeah. it's also very practical in that chaos is Twitter. And most people, when they, go, <laughs> when they go on Twitter or social media in general, they they uh, find that they're getting caught up in the chaos and it's like, it's overwhelming. It's like, well, mm-hmm. what do I exactly do to connect with people? And yeah, he has this whole process where he teaches people how to first make friends and hmm. talk to people and support them and like organically just build over time there's all these different phases to it wow nice but it's so authentic and organic that i i just really appreciate that and so he's he's coaching me on uh twitter audience growth but also broader than that he's a specialist in what's called building in public which is how to hmm. share about something that you have an idea about so it's, uh, think about lean startup lean startup that whole mindset is uh what they call customer development where you're going through that build measure learn loop Mm-hmm. Where you have an idea, but you don't just blurt out your idea. You go and you do these interviews with people who um, who have the problem and you ask them about their problem. You ask them what they're doing to solve their problem, how mm-hmm. much money and time and energy they've invested in attempting to solve their problem and fix right. that. Um, what are they currently doing to solve the problem? What else? What are all the various things that they've tried? You learn all kinds of things about their problem and what they've done to, to achieve it. And it gives you an idea of how much is it worthwhile for me to attempt to create something here? Is it something that someone would actually buy? Are they really serious about this problem? Is it really better? And in what ways is it better than all the things that they've tried? Does it does it fix all those things? Is it a path uh, yeah. they can actually embrace after not embracing those other ways of changing, right? Right. Could they actually embrace this thing that I'm thinking wow. But you don't tell them what you're going to be building. So there's a, there's another great book called The Mom Test by Ron Fitzpatrick with all the specific types of questions to ask. And and then there's like jobs to be done. Those those types of philosophies or, or hmm. methods, they're really frameworks of how to go about understanding people's problems. And then building in public takes it to another level where you're going to now go into a uh, a public space, oftentimes social media these days, and mm-hmm. you're going to announce that I have 
uh, you know, I'm working on this thing and you keep it semi vague, but like just, you're trying to solve this problem and that you're now going to, you're going to share about the progress in pub in public and you're going to be asking questions in public so that you can get feedback from various people who are interested mm -hmm. in solving that problem. And so what you end up doing is you, you can build an audience over time from people being interested in you solving that problem for them. And you can build a community around that. You build uh you build relationships in that process because there's a lot of you know one-on-one -on -one and just um really nurturing those relationships. So Sheesh. it's a very it is intensive, but at the same time you have this quality of connection that many marketing campaigns are missing. Yeah. Like I know when I've just run ads for certain campaigns, I did put a lot of time into it and put a lot of time into the funnel and that stuff. But when you run the ad, people don't know who you are. Hmm. And so they just leave a comment like, Hey, this sounds like a scam. I don't know who this person is. And that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's just really unfulfilling. Yeah. Even though it has its place in being able to scale and being able to control traffic volume, all those things are, are benefits to it. Right. But if you can combine organic traffic with a, a quality approach, like like what Kaman is talking about or other people are talking about with organic audience building, whether building in public or whatever other method they're using and pay traffic to then amplify the stuff that you find to be working, the type of messaging, the type of offers, et cetera, that you find to be working from people that know, like, and trust you. Yep. Don't amplify that with, with the paid stuff. To me, that's where the magic is. Where you're getting, it's almost like, someone would call it chocolate and peanut butter or uh, peanut butter and jelly, whatever it is, you, it was the two <laughs> things working together. One plus one equals three, that's synergy. Uh, and so many of us are focused like only entirely on paid or only on organic. And right. It's that synergy that's missing in, in between. Wow. Uh, you asked me a, a book I'm reading and, and so Kaman's book is definitely, definitely one of them. Okay. And I've got a bunch of other. I figured you would. Matt Basak's uh, emails that sell. I haven't gotten into yep. this one yet. I violated the four agreements. I made an assumption, but I knew you were going to be a reader. <laughs> this one is really good. Um, this was Dan Dan Kennedy's former business partner, Bill Glazer. Albert yeah, I know Bill. Yeah, yeah. Campaigns. Okay, that's new. This one me. is really cool because they got so many of the, the world's top marketers to write a chapter each in this. Oh, that's awesome. About a crazy cool campaign that they did, and they actually no outlined how to do the campaign. What? So That's going on. And they had a whole event down in San Diego in 2018 <laughs> that I went to where every one of the the every one of the authors in here and awesome. Ryan Dice and Matt Basak and everyone yep. was in the same room. Man, Russell, I sat uh Russell Brunson came and sat down right in front of me. Like you were at that you were at that mastermind, dude. It wasn't a mastermind, but it was just an event that you could at buy tickets event? to. Right, right, right. They were all there. Crazy. And so each one of them got up on stage <laughs> and so shared. Crazy. And a lot of them, speaking of masterminds, a lot of them were in Bill Glazer's mastermind group yeah. years ago, like what yeah. before they were before they got famous. Yeah. They were in his mastermind group and yeah then, and then they became big and now they're coming in, they came back and spoke at his event and Crazy. they put their um they put their ideas their own campaigns in this book i know that's how bob who i mentioned earlier in this podcast who's a big part of planet perry that's i'm pretty sure that's how he met either his business partner or i know how he met ryan dice who's obviously founder of digital marketer yeah, yeah. they met in in bill glazer's mastermind so cool yeah i mean those guys are, are legends now legends right? yeah um yeah, one of my friends recently spent time with, with Perry at his house in Vegas and just really amazing, right? That's so cool. Um, and then this one is a classic as well. Dan Kennedy's no BS trust-based marketing. It's Absolutely. Anything that goes to like, how do we actually generate trust, especially in this super untrusting world? Uh, you mentioned Perry, not Perry Marshall, but Perry Belcher. Mm -hmm. um, he did a event, this was several years ago now, but 
one of the things he said was it's never been harder to get a first sale. Mm. But he said it's never been easier to get a second sale because mm-hmm. once you get that person's trust, yeah, then then you have uh, a wow. real relationship with them. And and he openly admits that he did some like really unscrupulous things. Like he and he went to I think he went to jail for it for a while, Sheesh. and he learned a ton of lessons from that. And he's really evolved. Like we all evolve as as people. And it was just cool to see him share those um, the stories and the lessons and. Uh, especially someone who's that good at marketing mm-hmm. to share how they not only distill that lesson from their life experience, but then how all the specific ways that they apply that in building um, a funnel and building a campaign, building yep. a business, right? building relationships with people. Like how mm-hmm. do you really build that relationship? Um, digital marketer has been around for years and years now and they have amazing reputation, amazing relationships. A lot yep. of us are customers for how long has it been since I've been a customer? It feels like more than 10 years or something. Yeah, I'm going on a decade. So these are these are the types of companies to aspire to. But I got a you know a whole stack of books here. And then I love it. I love um I love ebooks, the digital books. So I got the Kindle now and I okay. I, I listen to so much stuff. I have scribbed um audiobook uh subscription. It's a mm-hmm. it's a whole subscription where you get access to lots of things, including audiobooks and uh, and youtube premium so i'm just listening to audios all the time and just constantly right. consuming stuff there's so many different things i can't pick like one book but it's like one book depending on like what i'm into at the time i'm with you that's how i read too i'm reading yeah. multiple right now so I, I i keep my my normal reading list on my desk right here so i'm reading ayn Rand, atlas shrugged she also wrote, uh, wrote the fountainhead which i loved rob recommend recommended this book what i learned losing a million dollars like basically like, you know, managing risk and sort of how you got a little bit too, <laughs> a little bit too like drinking your own Kool-Aid in the sense of like, I know what I'm doing. This is something that, um, that's Terry recommended. This one's called a mathematician's apology. And this is like, really, it's, it's interesting. Like for me, math is like the, like when you strip away the, the fluff of life, numbers don't lie. Right. I mean, you're, you know, you, you track analytics right all day. I mean, that's just marketing in general. Like I think math to me is, is unleashed a lot of like answers in life of like how you, how I got my weight under control when I was younger and I was not in good shape was basically just calories in calories. out. It was just math. It was just numbers. Like that just doesn't lie. Like same thing with getting stronger in the gym. It's just, you know, more numbers. The numbers are going up in the weight that you're moving. Like that's progressive overload. That's your build muscle. Like it's the same sort of thing. So that book is really interesting. I mean, it's quite it's, it's, it's a thin book, but the, like the diction is kind of dense for me. So I, I spend some time going back and forth on it. And the last one, I always like to end a day with, I learned this from Ty Lopez too, like a biography or an autobiography. So I'm reading shoe dog. This is Phil Knight's book. And so when I was at Oregon, I actually met him because I mean, I'm playing university of Oregon. We were always good to be oh, on the wow. field. We I were on the that. field with our recruits at, you know, at, at football games for, you know, for the baseball team, we'd always bring recruits on the field. And so he has got like his own booth or like private box at, at university of Oregon. Oh, he's yeah. He's a legend. And, and whenever like they're, you know, crushing teams, like he'll get to call plays, but obviously he went to U of O and that's where, you know, that's so much like Nike university. So yeah, I'm yeah. reading that right now, but I'm, I, I operate the same way. Like I'm usually bouncing in and out of a lot of books and especially like it's having like the bookshelf right there. Like if I'm something <laughs> pops up or I want to learn something, like I'll just be like, where's that book? And I'll just pull it and read a chapter real quick. Like, yeah, I don't know for what it is, but I've always been, obsessed with reading, learning. And I always, this is something that I wanted to say earlier was like, I think that I've had a pursuit of like, or just like a curiosity around learning and education. And so much of like, 
my clients and businesses are almost like the vehicles or the playground for me to like have a real life action sort of responsibility and accountability and, you know, have like real results around applying that knowledge. Like that gives me a, like a constraints around like, okay, I learned this thing of like how to run an ad campaign and now build my like getting clients and getting businesses. Like is then just more of like getting to hone the skills in like a real life environment. It's just more pursuit of learning. Like I've always felt like, man, I get paid to learn all day. Like that's such a cool thing to be able to like kind of sit back and say. It really is. Yeah. Marketing <laughs> is amazing that way. And really the journey that the prospect takes. Yeah. It is, it is a learning, it is a learning journey. Yes. Well said. Uh, you go back to Joseph Campbell. It's you can mm -hmm. frame the entire thing as the hero's journey. Right. The hero is is the is someone who doesn't necessarily want to go through transformation and learn, mm -hmm. but they need to. They need to experience that transformation to yeah. get to the result they want. They have to embrace that and go on that journey. Um, but my opinion is that, and I think the world is going this way, is that marketing is become going to become more and more experiential. Mm. So because what the prospect needs to to experience is progress. They need to feel like they are making some kind of progress towards that vision. And that's what the whole idea of a lead magnet is. Mm -hmm. which I think Dean Jackson uh, came up with, um, I think Ryan Dice came up with the word lead magnet or the mm -hmm. phrase for lead magnet. And right. Dean Jackson, they came up with a, with a phrase, squeeze page and came up with a concept mm -hmm. of that, but <laughs> uh, just history on that. But <laughs> what they were all trying to do, and even Frank Kern back in like 08, 09 was talking about results in advance. And mm -hmm. people use that phrase now, but I heard, first heard Frank Hearn talk about that where he had worked on some campaign for uh, a dating, a big dating launch. And it, his, <laughs> his wife at the time was making fun of him. He's like, he's like you know nothing about women. <laughs> you know nothing about women. How are you going to help these guys? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, so he's like, yeah, she's right. <laughs> uh, so how am I going to help these guys? And how am I going to mm -hmm. do this launch um, for... I think it was Neil Strauss at the time. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was the actual guru. Yeah. So what they did was they had, they would give away these tips for, they would give, they gave them one tip, you know, like a pre-launch uh, campaign. Yeah. They would do like three different things to help you feel progress, to help you actually right. experience progress. And the first thing they would do is like, here's a, here's how you go and cold approach a, you know, a woman. And mm. here's, here's something you can say to her so that she would actually have a conversation with you or something right. like that. And then the guys would be like, oh my God, the guys who actually tried it would be like, oh my God, this actually worked. Now, yeah. What's the next thing? Like after she says, hey, mm -hmm. and she starts talking to me like, oh, wait, <laughs> right. and so then they teach like, okay, well, if you get the conversation, then like, here's how you ask for her number. Like if it actually goes well and like the specific technique. And then, and then, so the guys who try that, they're like, oh my God, it worked. Like, now what do I do? <laughs> now I got to go out with her. Now I got to call her. Like I got to do, it. I don't know what to do. So they gave him like a third thing, like, okay, now, now here's what you do. And I don't remember what that was, Hilarious. but what happened was they got results before yep. they had to part with any kind of money. They had right. to make a major commitment, right? They got results in advance. And, and the way wow. I say it is they had an experience and a real world experience of progress towards a vision they had of, for themselves, whether yep. the vision was having a girlfriend or having a wife, whatever it was, right? or just having fun, whatever, whatever the vision <laughs> was, they had actual experience towards that. And so the more we help our prospects to engage in immersion learning, getting actual experiences of progress, the more, the more we don't have to apply fancy marketing tactics, mm. like the copy, et cetera. It all helps because like the more we know about writing effective copy, 
the greased shoot, as John Carlton says, where it's like they just slide down it and it's yep. so easy to consume. Right. The more we know about that, like the more we make it easy for them. Yeah. To not creating friction in their own minds because we understand what it takes to to not create friction in people when you're mm. talking to them. But the actual experience of progress is the thing that makes them want to say, oh, well, how do I get more from you? Mm. How can I do more with you? And if you don't actually have anything more, they actually get upset. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, wow. what do you mean you don't have more? Or like, <laughs> as soon as you create more, you let me know. Yeah, right. They can't end here. It's crazy. <laughs> like, so like for us, for that to be our standard as marketers, yes. where people want, people desire so much yeah. to have, to have a more of an experience than they already had with us and for right. us to deliver such an amazing experience in their lives towards progress, towards the vision they have, where they're just demanding so more, craving, <laughs> yeah, right. craving and demanding that we give them more, even wow. if they have to pay for it. That to me is what's so exciting that we can help them mm. learn something they're they're craving to learn in their lives and have experience of progress. I love that. About Jeez, what dude. That's awesome. I and love we have that. more and more technology. The metaverse is going to make it even better. All of mm-hmm. that. Uh, but even without the metaverse, which I know is very newfangled and there's a lot of uh, doubt right now, if that's ever going to come to fruition in the way that Mark Zuckerberg or others imagine it. But if we can take what we know about psychology, we can take what we know about having uh, about the person itself. Cause if someone wants to learn baseball, Again, you're the person who has pattern recognition. You're the person who has expertise about like, okay, if you want to learn baseball from scratch, you've never played hmm. and or you've played so little and you just got knocked out by a baseball on the field. Like that's, <laughs> that's you. If that is you. Then here's the first thing you can do to make, to feel like you got some kind of progress. Let me teach you how to stand and hold the bat properly. Cause even <laughs> that is going to make you feel more empowered. Right. Right. If you can help me with that, then I'm like, dang, man, I want to know. Yeah, you you're an baseball, expert. So you have a baseball academy, like <laughs> something I can do? Like, I don't know. Dude. Right? Wow. Awesome. Awesome, man. Okay. Last question for you. Um, this is something that I've been doing recently uh, on the last couple of podcasts, just ending and wrapping things up. I think it's a nice way to do it. What is your, I mean, we were talking about sort of, you know, Again, this was something that you prompted me on the first conversation we had, just marketing and how I define that for yourself or for myself. And I was, as I was prepping for our podcast today, I was like, you know, putting down some of the other areas that I, you know, want to have you or, you know, figured that maybe you had some definitions around as well. And that could be part of, you know, second podcast episode that we do together. But the way, what I want to ask you now is what is your definition of wealth? How do you define wealth? It's a great question. I say that consciousness is the ultimate currency. Wow. And I will explain what I mean by that. Please. Everything we do in life is to have some greater experience of life than than we've had before. We want to experience some slice of life that we haven't yet so far, right? Right. And so money is is a means towards that. Um, Energy, like it recovers during sleep, energy is a means towards that. Everything we do is is towards that end. There's a man I tremendously admire who goes by the name of Sadhguru, S-A-D-H-G-U-R-U, and his, his name is Jagdesh Vasudev or Jaggi Vasudev, but he goes by Sadhguru. There's a lot of people on, online that know about him now, but for many years I've been studying his work and I got to spend some time with him as well. Really? Awesome. My buddy actually went to the Himalayas or Nepal, I think it was last year, 
basically pursuing like the same sort of deal. Yeah. That's amazing. I know he leads some um, hikes and retreats and intensive, very intensive yoga uh, programs. Yeah. Um, And whether someone believes he's uh, self-enlightened or not, it doesn't matter because the way he explains things by itself really expands one's perspective on life. So one of the things he says is that whether you're going to the local tavern or you're going to the local temple, you're trying to do the same thing. You're trying to experience a little bit more of life mm. than you've currently experienced. And so mm. if we look at all our actions as people, we're constantly doing that. And the way he says that is you're just, you're going to infinity, which is what you want. That's, that's the goal of every human being is to experience yourself as the, as the infinite, as, as part of everything. And the only problem is you're doing it in installments. Mm. It's like you're on a payment plan. Like you're, you're, getting little, you're getting it a little bit at a time. But the problem with that is like you're, you're trying to get to infinity in little installments. And that's basically like you're trying to buy a Ferrari. You're buying a Ferrari to get to the moon. It's like, it's just not the right vehicle. It's an amazing yeah. vehicle. Hmm. You may be having great experiences in your life, but if you're really uh, zooming out and understanding that your ultimate goals of human beings to experience, experience everything as part of yourself, to experience yourself as the infinite, then then really what you want is that experience. You want that hmm. consciousness, that experience, and instead of having it a little bit at a time by the local hmm. tavern or the local temple or whatever it is you're doing. So when I think about wealth, I think about what is it that human beings ultimately want? It is that experience of being part of everything. And that's why I say that consciousness, especially infinite ultimate consciousness, is yeah. the ultimate currency. It is what we want. It is what all the other forms of currency, whether it's Bitcoin or or U.S. dollars or whatever it is, and they're all <laughs> controversial now because they're all going to zero in their own way. But whatever form of currency uh, you're you're wanting to get, or um, energy in the body, there's adenosine triphosphate (ATP), which is mm-hmm. known even by biologists as the currency of the realm. They actually call it that. Really, okay. all of these are forms of currency, but they're all towards that ultimate goal that we have. Hmm. And ma- many people are just not even aware that that's ultimately what people want so uh, i i like to bring that broader perspective because i like to remind myself first and foremost and then have others reflect on that too and if somebody disagrees that's okay yeah of course well I, I, that's why i always enjoy asking people because i feel like everyone always has their own definition so much of what you what you said reminds me of a book called a happy pocket full of money you read that book I haven't no. Should add that to your list too. So much of that book is <laughs> like write it down. It's like like raising wealth consciousness and wealth being so much deeper than just sort of like the number in your big account, which to me is like the, yeah, the whole idea of like the pursuit around it because it's it's tackling like, you know, coming from a perspective of time. Like the whole first chapter of that book is all talking about like quantum physics and just like us on an energetic level, which I thought was just I've never read I've read a lot of money books in my in my day and my in my in my long illustrious career, and in never, your day, Noah, <laughs> in your day. and hadn't had a hadn't run across a book yet that like approached it from that level because to me, so much of like what money is is energy. It's so much of like a transfer of energy. It really is. So it is, man, Sonny. This was a fantastic conversation. I want to just again say thank you for being open and vulnerable and talking to us about your journey and just sharing so much wisdom and insight and your, your charm and charisma. And you're just such a joy to talk to. I really appreciate it. I could talk to you all day, but yeah, again, we'll, we'll have to have you back on. So any, any lasting final thoughts that you want to leave and wrap this up with? I appreciate everything you said. It's been a, it's been a great pleasure to be here and 
more than anything, I want people to find find their own find their own purpose. What feel what feel like their purpose for them. Yep. And it it takes a lot of inner exploration and it, yep. an outer exploration, <laughs> like the the exper- doing those experiments, um, doing as many experiments as you can to get the experience so that you you feel out like what you really enjoy. Yep. Um, because that if you bring joy to yourself, you do bring joy to the world. And absolutely. And then there's there's ways that you can. There's so many ways to monetize things these days. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. So indeed. Just like you know, Gary Vaynerchuk does. He does a lot of talks. He does. Uh, he has this whole series called Trash Talk, where he's like, mm-hmm. even if you don't think you can make money, he's going to garage sales, <laughs> and stuff, and he's selling it. He's like, you can make a living doing this, mm-hmm. going to garage sales on Saturdays and Sundays, and then actually pursuing whatever else you're passionate about, so that you yeah. don't have to be in a job for 50, 60k a year, or whatever right. it is that you hate. There's so many ways now that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it's amazing to see what's possible for people if they're willing yes. to, if they're willing to go on that journey. And it, right. Because it's 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 a scary thing. It takes courage. Mm-hmm. Um, but to find, to find support like with friends or with us or with anybody, like reach out and just be yep. like, hey, here's, I'm scared. I want to do this or I want to try this, but I'm freaking scared. Like scared. Just, yeah. Even to say that to someone, to even admit that to someone, is so right. empowering. Even like just, just privately, you don't have to go on a podcast and say. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's so. I think it's a really powerful thing to to end this with because I understand. Yeah, finding like the questions of like, what should I do with my life? What do I want? What's my purpose? My passion? Yeah, those are difficult questions, and that's not something that you're going to sit down for a half an hour and journal about and find your answer. But like again, I understand how difficult those questions are. But there's not. There's not a whole lot else in this life that I think is worth trying to go after an answer than something like that. Like yeah. that's a that's a battle that I'm worth that I feel like is worth willing to fight for. Regrets are the thing that scare me the most, and uh, reminds me of Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Jeff Bezos said, he "said I live my life by a regret minimization framework." <laughs> of course, of course, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Well, you got a regret minimization framework. That's fantastic. (laughs) I don't know exactly what that is, but But that's fantastic. Okay, that 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 resonates for me. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I think regrets and my my one is like I'm not realizing or living up to like my full potential and helping. Like me not reaching that level means that I'm not having the level of impact that I could have on the people that I might reach, whether it's you know through business and clients, friends and family, people that I come across all that stuff. That's just keeps moving forward. So again, Sonny, so appreciative of you. Thank you so much. Anybody that's listening, watching, leave us a review on Spotify. Make sure you like this and leave a comment on, on YouTube. And to all my builders out there, I salute you again, Sonny. Thank you so much. And I will see you guys all in the next episode.